What is going on, people? It is I. It is Michael Hunter. The guy, for some reason, you guys love to get your ACC basketball news from. I appreciate it every day. It is episode number 48. It's a Monday evening, 12-17, about 5.30 in the evening. Got out of work a little bit early today. We had our little Christmas luncheonette or whatever, luncheon. Luncheon? I think it's luncheon is the proper word. Luncheonette, I think, would be the building that you eat lunch in. Um... <clears throat> You know, I, I almost didn't do one. I almost put ACC BR on hold for for a little bit for the holidays, but uh, you know, I didn't want to fall behind. And every time I skip an episode, you guys give me shit. So I wasn't going to do it this week. I will just say that it's a it's a pretty short episode. Um, you know, got some some good information in there. Some some terrible injuries took place, uh, two of them to the same team this week, which is which is horrific. Uh, you know, good news for Kevin Keats. And, you know, a couple, you know, some attrition, mid-conference, okay, you know, before the, before the semester's over, uh, one program experiencing a couple, couple transfers, but, uh, you know, we can review, give you a little bit of, uh, information. I am currently writing up the ACC preview, which will probably be out next week, um, Maybe this weekend if I get some time. I'm gonna have some, you know. I got family coming to my place. I take Christmas very seriously, not with decorations, but I do it with food and 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 cleaning the house. Like you never realize how filthy your house is until your mom is coming to town. You know, you know what I mean. And uh, you know, so all weekend I've been cleaning, doing laundry, getting the spare room ready. You know, doing dishes. I. Fucking hate doing dishes, but you know, uh, you know, trying to get the place ready for mom because if mom comes to town and your place is this disaster, then mom is going to clean your house and your dad is going to make you feel bad about it. Okay, this is ACC basketball report. I am Michael Hunter. I appreciate you guys uh, joining me on a Monday evening. And uh, all right, here it is, episode number forty-eight. <laughs> Hey guys, it is I, Pecone36, 
jumping right into ECCBR number 48, <clears throat> the Christmas edition, as you guys could probably tell by the intro music. That is a, uh, that is a band called Bob Rivers who does uh, a lot of parody stuff that, uh, you know, it's a song called Jingles, Jingle Hell's Bells, which is a song that I play Christmas every year. It really makes me laugh. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I think it's funnier now. Uh, jumping right into news. Kevin Keats. Alright, I apologize for that. That was my big, big boss at work. So, um, the, the owner of the uh, development that I'm currently building over in uh, the Cary area. So, that's a call that I had to take. Um, I apologize for leaving my ringer on. But, um, yeah, anyway. Uh, Kevin Keats signs a new extension, six years, $2.7 million. Uh, it's an increase in his salary by about 400000 per year, according to the AP article that was... Uh, I first saw it on Sports Illustrated, which I wish I'd seen it somewhere else because Sports Illustrated is the worst website as far as sports go for pop-ups. God, I mean, you click on it and it's like, it's like, uh, one of the, um, you ever see those sponsored stories on like Yahoo and you click on it and it's like Michael Jordan's top 10 dunks and it's one slide per page, and every time you click on it, there's, a, there's 15 more pop-up ads or some video you have to watch. That's the Sports Illustrated website at this point. I mean, Sports Illustrated's worse than ESPN, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, that's where I first saw the story with Sports Illustrated. It's an AP article. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh experiencing a little bit of attrition this week. Uh, Peace Illigoma will transfer from Pitt. Averaged roughly five and a half minutes in 30 games over the past year and a half. Uh, you know, front court player, obviously at this point he's behind Chuck Wuka or Chuck Wuku, Chuck Wuku, and Terrell Brown. Not a, you know, not a huge loss from a talent perspective, but maybe from a depth perspective. Uh, he was a player that obviously, he's, he's not a capable guy. Um, so, you know, you were, you could kind of expect this to happen. It seems to happen every time that coaching changes made. The one that did surprise me, and it actually didn't really shock me. I didn't, I didn't even notice um, that he wasn't playing until I saw that he was transferring, is Shamil Stevenson will also be leaving Pitt. Only appeared in four games this season after uh, about 24 minutes per game last season. His position is basically taken over by the freshman, Odise Tony, and the transfer from St. John's, Malik Ellison. He was a player that I was, you know, I, I liked coming into the season. Um, if, you know, if you listen to this program, you know that Shamil Stevenson was a kid that I was pretty high on. I mean, he's got a college-ready body. He's kind of got a... He plays a type of basketball that's better for like positionless basketball. He's somewhere between a shooting guard and a power forward. You know what I mean? He's about six five, but he's built like a center. Um, he's just you know he's a rough and tumble. Not a whole lot of uh, finesse to his game, but uh, he, he's a type of player that I would think would be useful for for a young team like this that maybe is a little bit more finesse instead of you know rough around the edges. But um, Jared Wilson Frame seems to have have absorbed that spark plug off the bench role for for the bench wing position and and Shamil Stevenson was probably left out in the cold. I wouldn't expect I don't, I don't really know where where to expect him to land, but I think whoever gets him will be uh, getting a, a quality player for the program for sure if he lands in the right situation. Uh Kofi Cockburn who is a center in the <clears throat> 
2019 class. I call him Kofi Roosterfire. He has cut his list to five as of today, which this cut, along with some more news that we received today, is why I'm doing this podcast on Monday instead of yesterday. Uh, you know, Pitt makes the cut al- along with UConn, Kansas, St. John's, and Illinois. You know, Cockburn is a huge talent. I mean, Pitt is making the cut for all the, you know, if you remember before Baycott committed to UNC, Pitt made the cut for him as well. You know, Jeff Capel's getting on the list for all these kids trying to open up that New York pipeline. You know, Wahab, Cockburn, Baycott, he is desperately trying to get a talented big man to join these talented guards and wings that he's brought in last season. I don't think Cockburn's going to go there, especially when you have competition like Kansas. He's a New York kid, so obviously St. John's and UConn are in the mix here. It's going to be tough, but you got to you got to commend Capel and Pitt for for what they've been able to do as far as getting deep in on some of these kids. Uh, some unfortunate injury news: Notre Dame lost two players this week. Uh, Rex Fluger went down with an ACL on Saturday, and Robbie Carmody the day before announced on his Twitter page that he would be having season-ending Jesus shoulder surgery. Um, you know, Fluger, when he went down, it was really, it was really strange because it didn't look like he, he, he caught the edge of the defender's foot, but, uh, you know, he didn't twist, he didn't really slip, didn't overextend, but when he went down, it was, he was, you could, you, you knew that he knew as soon as he hit the ground that he was done. Um, you know, some, the camera picked up some audio that was not really inspiring. Um, he had the MRI today, and it was confirmed that it was an ACL. He was holding the back of his knee, which is pretty typical for an ACL injury. You know, it, the, if if Fluger goes down, Carmody is the guy because Carmody is a terrific perimeter defender. I did see his minutes go down recently, and I, I wasn't sure why because typically uh, a coach can deal with poor shooting or, or or learning the ropes, learning the system on the offensive end, as long as the player plays great defense and shows the effort, rebounds the ball well, for instance. But Carmody's minutes had been going down like that. I think that that's directly attributed to his, his shoulder injury. Dane Goodwin um, appears to be the guy that's going to absorb most of those minutes. He played well over the weekend. I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, more injury news. Phil Kofer for Florida State, their returning leading scorer, will make his debut tonight. For Florida State, this is being recorded on Monday evening. Hold on while I take a little sip of uh, of Uncle Evan. Uncle Evan, it's delicious. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's what Mikey likes. All right, <clears throat> let's get into the week scores. Which you know, no midweek episode this week, as I'm sure you guys noticed. I think we had four nights with no games this week. And just, you know, the content wasn't there. This is also going to be a quick shot. I can't imagine it's going to be any more than half an hour tonight. Uh, Boston College defeats Columbia, 82-73. Kai Bowman, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Nick Popovich off the bench with 22-14. and 14. Nick Popovich seems to have found his groove in uh, coming off the bench. It's really impressive. The numbers that he's being able to put up off the bench is really impressive. He seems to... Uh, to, to really like that role. Winston Tabs with 18. I mean, this is another, I, I say it all the time, three-star guard. If you can shoot it, you can play for Jim Christian, and he will get you open looks. Uh, they also defeated Fairfield last night, 77-67. to Tabs and Heron last night combined for 42. Uh, both of them true freshmen. Uh, really impressive to me. You know, this Tabs kid is just, 
He looks like a smaller version of Jerome Robinson. It's uncanny. Um, interesting stat here. BC is actually 5-2 and two in games this season when Kai Bowman scores less than 20 points. If you asked me how many games Boston College will win over the course of the entire season when Kai Bowman doesn't score 20, I may have said zero. Um, now, you know, if you tell me he's got a triple-double, which is entirely possible, that he hangs one of those over the course of the season – and only scores 14 points. Okay, uh, you know, I may adjust that a little bit. But I thought going into the season, in order for Boston College to have any kind of success, and I actually anticipated them to be fairly successful. I think I said they were an, uh, an NIT team. Bowman's going to have to score the ball with the effectiveness of two people. And, you know, so far he's had seven games of under 20 points, and they've won five of them. In on the flip side of that coin... They are 5-1 and one when Winston Tabbs scores 16 or more, which is also pretty impressive. So, I, I, you know, I don't know what that says. I think what it says is when they play as a team, they're more successful. When Kai Bowman spreads the ball out, they're more successful. When, you know, Tabbs and Chapman and Bowman and now Heron and Popovich and, you know, Stephen Mitchell has not been a, a factor offensively. He's rebounding the ball terrifically, as we all know he can. But when these guys play as a team, they play better. And we all know Jim Christian is a very good offensive mind. The question has never been that. It's been always about, about his perimeter defense. And, you know, Tabs and now Heron, if they can step up and be players. Jerry's Hamilton hasn't quite become the player that I thought he was going to be yet. But Nick Popovich has exceeded my expectations, uh, especially in the past few weeks. So, you know, I, I posted my ACC power rankings yesterday. I think you're seeing the ACC start to tear up a little bit. You know, there may have been three or four tiers to begin the season. I think there's about five right now, to be perfectly honest. So go to ACC Basketball Report and check that out there. It came out yesterday. Um, you know, just to see my thoughts and absolutely, uh, you know, leave me notes on, on Twitter. Uh, Louisville defeats Lipscomb. I actually didn't watch the Boston College Columbia game. I didn't watch any of it um, on the night it was played. I tried to catch a little bit of the day after because the Louisville Lipscomb game was really good. Uh, Louisville pulls out a 72 to 68 victory. Jordan Nora with 22 and 9. You know, it was interesting because I was really impressed by Lipscomb, one, you know, first of all. And, um, <clears throat> The, the Marbury kid for, for Lipscomb, you know, he's a, kind of an undersized forward. He only had 11 points in the game, which if you, you know, just look at the box score, not that impressive. But um, they played really well while he was in the game. He picked up his third foul and they pulled him. And Louisville, kind of, I don't want to say they gained control, but they just, you could tell by the way that Lipscomb was really uncomfortable without this kid on the floor. So they pull him out, he comes back in, and he doesn't pick up another one the whole game. And that's been a point of conversation uh, amongst the commentators in some games this year is the philosophy behind that. If you're playing well with this kid on the floor and he, he gets into foul trouble, do you pull him and basically foul him out then and there and hope that your team responds in a positive way? Or do you let him play it out and trust that he's smart enough not to pick up another foul? And in this case, the kid sat and he was smart enough not to pick up another foul and Lipscomb comes up four points shy or five points shy. You know, it's an interesting philosophical, you know, it's it's like, uh, you know, do you foul at the end of the game? It, it, you know, it's one of those situations. So, you know, 
Hey, I think Lipscomb's probably a, a tournament team. I was that impressed by him. Uh, they also Louisville also defeats Kent State, eighty-three to seventy. Dwayne Sutton, Jordan Orr, Christian Cunningham, Malik Williams, all in double figures. You know, a couple notes from this week. I think Louisville continues to be in desperate need of a true point guard. Christian Cunningham did have a nice game uh, against Kent State, but you know, it, it's not there yet. I think he's a really good player. I think they have. Like I, I think I probably said this last week, Christian Cunningham is probably the best offensively. Kwan Four is obviously the best defensively, and Darius Perry, you never know what you're going to get. Oh, hey, look, whiskey. And uh, you know, I think it's kind of a crapshoot every night for Chris Mack. You know, it's 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 the NFL draft. One of those three guys is typically going to have a pretty good night, good enough for Louisville to win on any given night. Unfortunately for Chris Mack, you never know which one it's going to be. And, you know, it was Christian Cunningham this game. I think the game before um, against Lipscomb, none of them played very well. And I think the game before that, none of them played very well. I think Quan Four played really well defensively. Uh, of note, especially on this show, VJ King, eight minutes, zero points in the, in, the, uh, in the Lipscomb game. I don't have his minute numbers for the Kent State game. Stephen Enoch had bad games in both of these games. Um, you know, sometimes he comes out and looks like a monster, and sometimes he plays down to the level of competition that Louisville is playing against. In order for them to be successful, and I actually adjusted on my Twitter page, I responded to a guy who asked me to revise my ACC standings. I bumped Louisville a pretty good bit, uh, basically into NCAA tournament team areas. And... Uh, if they're going to get there, Stephen Enoch needs to be, you know, whatever, the Nigerian night train or, or whatever. I think he plays for Nigeria in the FIBA competitions. But when earlier this year, when, when he is focused and intense, like, he is scary good. Like, unlike anything I ever saw from him at UConn. And they're going to need that player to be consistently intense and focused in ACC play if these guys are going to make the tournament. And I think Louisville is a team that I unjustly under-evaluated, undervalued to begin the season. But I don't undervalue them anymore. I think they're a team that plays hard. And if they get everybody clicking, that's the problem. Not everybody has clicked all at the same night. You know, Jordan Orr has been there. You know, he's been their flagpole all year. He's their North Star. And then you never know what you're going to get from anybody else on the floor. I really like Malik Williams. He plays with intensity. He plays with fire. He can shoot the three a little bit. Maybe not as much as he thinks he can. But he loves to block shots. He likes to get people fired up. Dwayne Sutton is one of the most underrated players maybe in the conference. He's been very consistent for them over the course of the season. He can shoot it a little bit. I don't think as well as some people think. But... You know, he's not a knockdown guy. Ryan McMahon off the bench. When he's hot, he's hot. And when he's not, he's fucking ice cold. Um, it's, it's an interesting team. They have it, they're deep. They're deep and they have a lot of guys that kind of have specialized talents. And they're just, they're a really interesting team. And I think this speaks a lot to Chris Mack. I don't, I don't know if there are a lot of other coaches in the country that are going to get this Louisville team to eight and two or eight and three or, or whatever they are um, with this particular roster. Now they are seven and zero at home. Okay. They have yet to win a game away from the yum center, the yum center. Jesus. Every time I say it, it just sounds stupid, but uh, you know, Hey, big ups to Chris Mack, big ups to Steven Enoch, big ups to Jordan or my boy called it, called it all off season. You guys, some of you guys didn't believe me. Some of you guys still give me shit about it, 
which are speaking of giving me shit. How about some guy calling me worse than Rothstein the other day when I said that Cam Johnson was still better than Kyle Guy on Twitter? I love you, Virginia fans. I love you guys, okay? But Cam Johnson's better than Kyle Guy. Speaking of UNC, how about that? You know, dominate Gonzaga, 103-90. to And I know you're thinking, that's not a domination. That was a domination. That game was a blowout <clears throat> after the first, what, seven, eight minutes? It wasn't that close. Not at all. UNC just held it to the iron the whole time. And Gonzaga, there's something about the way they play that it, it, that maybe they're still getting to know each other. It, it's not a it's not a cohesive unit. It's really interesting. Uh, you know, Cam Johnson, big shot after big shot. Seventh Woods played the game of his life in this game. I've never seen him play better. Just assists, and I think he had ten points in the first half. It was phenomenal. It was the best game I've seen him play. Which is good because Kobe White was coming off injury. He was turning the ball over too much. Uh, maybe pressing a little bit. Luke May had 20 and 16. I didn't realize it uh, until they flashed it up on the screen. I, I had no idea that Luke May was playing that well. I mean, I knew he was playing well. You know, he, Luke May, ho-hum, 20 points, 12 rebounds. You know what I mean? It, it was that kind of game. He hadn't had many games like that up to the, this point in the season. You know, Hachimura and Norvell both had 20 or more. It, again... There's just, uh, you know, Josh Perkins had 20 and he, he didn't even play that well. You know, he, and does, and he looks, he looks bad, like not bad as in basketball, like physically, he looks like he's sick. You know, I, I, maybe it's just me. I don't watch a, I don't get to catch a whole lot of Gonzaga games. I, I'm not up till one o'clock in the morning watching West Coast games, and that, that sucks because I like watching Gonzaga play. But, uh, you know, I I, th- I just thought North Carolina looked better in every aspect of the game, with the exception of turnovers. Um, you know, UNC turned the ball over nine more times than Gonzaga did. I think they had twenty three, and Gonzaga had fourteen. Look, Gonzaga for me and my vote in the Rock in top twenty five. I am high on North Carolina. You guys know that. I'm not going to punish these guys. Okay, I'm not going to punish Gonzaga for losing to North Carolina. I still think North Carolina is going to win the ACC. And this this victory only solidified my craziness. So right now, I got to give it to I got to put Virginia number 1 in the power rankings because they have not lost yet. Okay? Can you guys follow that logic? Okay? When when if UNC is the first team to beat Virginia, okay, UNC is number 1 in the, in my power rankings. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm just fucking crazy. Maybe I'm half cut. Who knows? But uh, for right now, Virginia's number one in the power rankings. But I still think North Carolina is going to win the ACC by the end of the season. Virginia Tech, huh? How about the guys? You know, I railed on them on this podcast. I railed on them on the Rockin' Top Twenty Five podcast uh, in Lubbock <clears throat> with Sean. You know, over the week that schedule is horrible. I thought they were going to get possibly boat raced by Washington. In a, in a massive letdown for the Hokies. And they don't. They go to the Boardwalk Classic in New Jersey and they beat the Huskies 73-61. You know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker with 24 points continues to be one of the best players in the country that nobody's talking about. This kid's a lottery pick. This kid's a potential first-team All-American. Okay? I mean, he's putting up those kind of numbers. He, he's, he, he's fantastic to watch. I mean, there's very few players in the country I'd rather watch than Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Kerry Blackshear, <clears throat> you know, back, back, we're back at it, okay? Plays against a good front court, five fouls in 22 minutes played. Ten points, one rebound. You know, goddamn. 
you know, ha- had been doing well. Just, you know, he's got to adapt to the talented front courts that he's going to see. P.J. Horn, by comparison, who picked up the slack when Blackshear was gone, played 23 minutes. Okay, one more minute than your, than your, you know, probably, what, third team, honorable mention, ACC front court player, Kerry Blackshear. P.J. Horn comes in 6.6 rebounds in 23 minutes. You know, I... You know, I'm not. I'm not going to go over it again. Uh, you know, Hokies poured it on in the first half. They were up 18 at the half. They kind of coasted to victory after that. Um, yeah, I mean, hey, that's a good win for Virginia Tech. So in the out of conference, Virginia Tech has wins over Purdue, which you know they need some help from Purdue because Purdue looks worse and worse by the day. People are starting to catch on what to do at Purdue. You can let Carson Williams, uh, Carson Edwards score. Just don't let anybody else beat you. And you know, you keep Boudreau and uh, who's the other kid? Uh, Klein, TJ Klein, you know, you keep them guys in check, you know, let, let Edwards get 25 or 30, you know, put no, uh, no gel Easter on the line, let him shoot free throws, you know, Purdue, you know, I worry, I worry about that being a good win later on. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Syracuse. Um, and I apologize to, to Syracuse fans last week. I had bullet points on the orange on that Georgetown game on Tyus battles performance, on the game-winning shot, I had all that in my notes. It was at the top of a page, and when I flipped the page, I, I guess I just skipped over it. And and you know that that was a great win. They were down. They they showed a lot of heart coming back. Tyus Battle is a warrior. Again, one of my favorite players in in the ACC to watch play is Tyus Battle. I can watch that kid shoot jump shots all day, which is great because that's all he does is shoot jump shots all day. Um, they do fall to Old Dominion, sixty-eight to sixty-two. You know. This is this is Syracuse this year. You know, I, I I feel completely fooled by their talent levels when I picked them to finish fourth at the beginning of the year. ODU didn't even play that well in this game, um, and, and Syracuse just couldn't put them away. It was tied at it was sixteen to sixteen. Uh, Syracuse goes on a, a pretty good run. I think they're up thirty two to twenty or thirty two to twenty two at the half, and and ODU just kept hanging around, and I, I don't understand what Syracuse is doing on offense. There is this team is loaded with talent. You know, uh, Frank Howard, Jalen Carey, Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, Eli Hugh, Elijah Hughes, um Chuck Wu, not a great offensive player, but he's a he's a, a piece, a pawn, a rook. Sesame Merrick Dolajai. Buddy Bayheim has a reputation as being a shooter. I mean what are we doing out there? One guy playing one-on-one, four guys standing around. Nobody's even cutting. I mean, when they did, Hughes, I think Hughes cut once, and they hit him for, for a nice layup. Uh, you know, Jalen Carey trying to create on his own. What are we doing? All this perimeter talent, they're not doing anything on offense. And, you know, I think Syracuse needs to hire an offensive mind. I don't think Bayheim. I don't know if it's whether he doesn't have the chops. I, I find that very difficult to believe. Or if he's just not interested, if he just wants to play off his defense, which I think is more likely the case. He needs to get an offensive mind. Hire, uh, fuck, hire uh, the guy at Loyola Marymount. Uh, the kid, the guy that coached the Timberwolves at one point. No, not the Timberwolves, the Bobcats. Hire the guy who used to run Loyola Marymount's you know, running gun. I can't, remember, I can't remember any of these guys' names. <laughs> um, the guy's actually at Loyola Marymount now, and then the other guy used to coach. He used to coach uh, Hank Gathers, Bo Kimball, that guy. Um, hire some kind of offensive mind. Some some guy that can can draw up offensive sets, and I don't even I don't even really know who those guys who who those guys are. But you know, right now he's he's doing the Coach K thing, 
where he's got his former guys, Jerry McNamara, Adrian Autry. He's got those guys on the bench with him. <sighs> Jerry McNamara should know how to run an offense, right? But then again, Jerry McNamara was a shoot-first point guard. So maybe that's why Frank Howard shoots as much as he does. Maybe that's why Tyus Battle shoots as much as he does. Maybe that's why Jalen Carey tries to get his own shot as much as he does. Though Carey had that reputation as a prep player, as a, as a score-first point guard. Syracuse has to do something because they're they're wasting a lot. This is a deep team. This is a really good team. This team could be dominant, like the the twenty and one team that started out for the first twenty games or twenty one games <laughs> a couple of years ago. The CJ Fair team is the team I'm trying to think of. You know, they I don't know. It's just too much offensive talent to be this bad on offense. And you know, the the the, the roster is the reason I picked them fourth. The offensive scheme is the reason why they may not make the tournament. So, you know, North Carolina State uh, steps up in competition a little bit this week. Uh, they defeat Penn State 89-78. to Braxton Beverly with a season-high 18. Played a lot of point guard in this in this game. Mark L. Johnson only played 22 minutes. I, I would imagine it's because of the lingering right ankle injury. I can't say that with 100% certainty, but he did have an ankle injury before they had 10 days off. So maybe that's still hanging around. Um NC State wins only while well, only attempting 14 threes. That is, you know, not something I anticipated myself seeing in the preseason ever during an NC State win, you know, unless they made 13 of 14 threes. So to beat a, God, I don't want to call them a decent team. You know, to beat a team that beat Virginia Tech at home, we'll say that. Uh, you know, hey, it's better than who they've been playing, okay? I guess if you're going to go up, you might as well go up gradually. I was really impressed by Rasir Bolton for Penn State. 25 points in this one. I thought he looked really good. He looked like the most talented kid, maybe on the floor. Um, now, that could have something to do with Torn Dorn not having a great game, Markel Johnson playing a limited amount of minutes. I thought Beverly looked really good. But, uh, I mean, what are you going to say about NC State? They need to play better teams. And they're going too soon because ACC play is going to open up. But this is a good win for them. You know, as far as Ken Palm numbers go, Penn State's still decent. Moving on to Pitt, they blow Maryland Eastern Shore, which are those of you guys who know and listen to this program on the regular know that I did not watch this game. I do not care about ACC teams playing directional teams like Maryland Eastern Shore. What is that? I don't know. It's like playing the the schools that have the, the city... State, like Jackson State. What? It's not a state. That's a city within a state. So it always, uh, you know, those teams, University of South Carolina Upstate. I've never watched one of their games except when they beat Georgia Tech a few years ago. Uh, You know, Maryland Eastern Shore, it's kind of, you know, for a team that I don't watch, talk about them an awful lot because they seem to have played everybody in the ACC so far. They appear to be the ACC whipping boy in the out-of-conference schedule. Uh, Pitt with 16 offensive rebounds. Jared Wilson frame with 11 points and 11 rebounds. Xavier Johnson with 12 points. Like I said, I didn't watch this game. Can't give you many notes. Clemson defeats Radford 74-66. to Marquise Reed again did not play with that sprained knee. Eli Thomas with 15-9. and Shelton Mitchell finally had his breakout game that we knew was going to come eventually. We just needed it to come faster. And we needed to see that he was... Still capable, I guess. He'd been very disappointing over the season. Uh, 20 points. I think he had four rebounds. Only a couple assists. He did more scoring than distributing in this game. For those of you wondering why the score was 74-68, Radford's a quality team. Okay, Radford's a team that has, you know, they've beaten Notre Dame. They've beaten Texas. They've beaten Illinois-Chicago, which if you look at records, Illinois-Chicago's isn't that impressive. Illinois-Chicago's a pretty good mid-major team. 
Um, you know, Marcus Audi is a damn good player. And, you know, Radford, they were they were going well in this game. And then one of their big guys said something to a ref. And I'm not a lip reader, and I didn't the, the camera didn't have a very good angle on it. But the ref double teed him right there, threw him out of the game. I don't know what he said, but it was pretty much all downhill from there for Radford. Uh, you know, Clemson just kind of imposed their will a little bit. Eli Thomas, 15 and 9. Um, he still looks like he's a little out of shape, but he I is he the best big man in the ACC right now? You know, outside of Luke May, probably. Yeah, maybe. Uh, you know, if Zion, no, no, you can't. You can't put him as a big man. So yeah, I mean, outside of Luke May, which Luke May is kind of playing the stretch five right now. As far as back to the basket guys, Eli's got to be one B outside of May. If you're gonna put May as a back to the basket guy, then he's he's better than Eli. But right now, Eli, he's got that drop step, and he just he just finishes. He's got a really nice touch around the rim. You know, he's he's not gonna try to go over you. He's just gonna he's got the angle on the glass. He is what. I wanted Kerry Blackshear to be, except Blackshear's got the ability to shoot it by 32% from deep. And, you know, he's what I think Dewan Hernandez is. I, I think those two are very similar players, but we'll never know on one, and the other one just doesn't seem to want to stay out of foul trouble. Notre Dame, last team on the hit list for the week. They defeat Purdue 88-80. to This is a game they won but ultimately lost. You know, Purdue is going to turn out, like I said, to possibly be not a great win by the end of the season. They also lose Rex Fluger, like I said earlier, uh, in the game to an ACL, which is a really freak injury because of non-contact. He didn't twist. He just kind of fell. Um, and, you know, a lot. I, I talked to some people that think that it happened on the play before, which if you watch the game, there's a play right before that, and I can't remember who the Purdue player is. But one of the Purdue players kind of goes flying, and what it looks like is that Fluger took a shot directly in the balls. And, you know, he goes to the ground, and you could tell that he's, he's a little bit nicked up and needs, needs a minute. But as a guy, okay, when I get hit in the balls, um, that's, that's the first place my hand goes, okay? Go right to my balls. So, you know, there's nothing that your hand can do other than possibly just console the, you know those those delicate little jewels, and because there there's absolutely no way to get there and comfort them. You know what I mean. You just got to ride out the storm is basically where you're at. But he didn't really do that, and you know a lot of people are thinking that he got if he got hit in the knee or, or in, the, in the thigh or or somewhere in that region, and then on the next play it was kind of like the finishing move. You know he landed just right or his foot you know, angled just right where it finished it off because he, he actually took a couple spills in that game and, you know, he, he was, I mean, he's Rex Fluger. He's on the court. He's, he's, he's on the floor. He's getting after balls. He's rolling around calling timeouts when he's only got half possession of the ball. And, you know, he, he, that shot was interesting because the, the shot that he took before that he played through was 10 times worse than the play that he was injured on. And the play that he was injured on, it looks like he just kind of, just kind of, you know, maybe didn't land correctly and just rode it out. You know what I mean? Sometimes you fall to avoid, you know, staving yourself up a little bit. And you know, as soon as he hit the ground and rolled over, he immediately grabbed the back of his right knee. And that's, I mean, that's a telltale sign for an ACL. I didn't think that he tore it at first just because of the way that the fall went. He, it didn't look like he, you know, sometimes you can tell. 
uh, you know, the way the knee bends, like uh, the Garoppolo injury for the 49ers earlier this season. You knew that he was toast as soon as he hit the ground. Um, with Rex, you didn't know that he was toast until he grabbed the, the back of his knee. It was it was really interesting. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, Dane Goodwin figures to get the majority of the minutes left behind by Rex and Robbie Carmody. John Mooney continues to play fantastic for Notre Dame. And actually, this game wasn't as close as the eight-point margin of victory either. Notre Dame was pretty well in control the whole way. Uh, Temple Gibbs was hitting open shots. Dane Goodwin had a career-high 12. You know, Prentice Hub not playing well. He needs to make better decisions. There was a point in the second half. The shot clock was running down. They can't. He had the ball. Came up to the top of the key for a ball screen. He turns down the ball screen and then drives against his defender into another defender. So he basically dribbles into a double team and goes up for a highly contested layup. Whereas if... You know, there was five or six seconds left on the shot clock. He accepts that ball screen. You know, he creates some kind of action where not everybody's focused on him. You know, you, you got to pay attention to the screener. You know, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a pick and pop opportunity. Obviously, if you're playing with Mooney on the court, that opportunity is always there. Lashevsky always there. You know, DJ Harvey played well in this game as well. But to turn down that ball screen and, and then go into a contested, congested area. I think those are the things that Prentice Hub needs to work on. In this game, Rex actually Rex Fluger actually played a lot of point guard. I think he had six assists in the first seven minutes of the game. He had ten for the game, seven points, ten assists for Fluger. So the pressure on Prentice Hub is going to start to mount. He's going to have to come along and, and really play better sooner. And uh, you know, as Temple Gibbs starts to hit open shots, which he's been missing up to this point in the season. You know, that, that's going to alleviate some of the pressure for Hub to score and just handle the ball, make better decisions, okay? If that's what we can get from you, they're going to take that from him over his offense all day long. Handle the ball, don't turn it over, make good decisions, put people in a position to win the game and to be successful on the offensive end. Get us in our sets, get us organized, okay? Make smart decisions as far as ball screens. The other thing he needs to do is he needs to help his screener out on the ball screens, okay? When you accept the ball screen, you need to put, the way I was taught when we were younger is, you basically need to touch the screener, okay? When you go by him, you rub elbows with him, okay? Your, the sides of your, your, your hips rub each other, okay? You, you can't give your defender enough room to slide between you and the screener because that, that creates no space. It creates no space for the, the screener, creates no space for you. So, you know, basically the screen is useless, and Hub gives his defender entirely too much space to get around those screens. And he also isn't shooting the ball at a rate that needs to be, you know, they can go under those screens as well is basically what I'm trying to get at. So, you know, you're giving the defender too many options. You're not creating the right kind of action. You know, he needs, needs to tighten up. He's a freshman. Okay. They played 10 games. He's going to get better. I've said it for the last couple weeks. Give him till mid-January. Okay. Uh, now, obviously, things are going to get a little bit worse. You just lost one of your senior leaders that had been playing really well lately. And, you know, Carmody is one of your best perimeter defenders. Okay. Dane Goodwin needs to grow up very fast as well now, especially if Temple Gibbs continues to, to struggle as he has on the season overall. Now, John Mooney, on the other hand, played fantastic. God, I'm thirsty. Look, look, some fantastic bourbon. Mmm. Mmm. Yes, that is good. Okay. John Mooney leads the ACC in double-doubles. Jawan Durham is a block machine. Can they play together? Can they go big? Can they go Can they go Hub, Gibbs, Lashevsky, Mooney, and Durham and, and put them in a 2-3? Hmm. 
be interesting. And, and uh, Dane Goodwin's absolutely a very good rebounder as well. So you know you could you could go Gibbs at the at the one, Goodwin at the two, play the other three in the front. That's interesting. I'd like to see that. Joel Durham is fantastic on defense. I love watching him play defense. All right. So that takes care of the scores. As you can tell, didn't take very long. I tried to lengthen it out for you guys. Actually, we're at 35 minutes. How about that? Shit. All right. ACCBR Player of the Week. Uh, you know, difficult this week because not many games. And I had two guys. Two guys stuck out my mind. One guy just couldn't give it to because the level of competition. Uh, the winner that I give to is Cam Johnson, UNC. Uh, 25 points against one of the best teams in the country. He goes six for eight from deep. Big shot after big shot. You know, he had to break hard. He was breaking hearts in this game. And they were the hearts of the Gonzaga fans. Uh, not a whole lot to say because they only played one game this week. But, hey, everybody saw the writing on the wall for this UNC team on in this game. Everybody that I know was picking UNC against Gonzaga. Why? Because UNC is one of the best teams in the country. Okay? I, I keep seeing them 10th, 12th, 14th in the poll. It's just... It's not, that's not where it's at. They're number four in Ken Palm, okay? Um, you know, people that don't watch the games and are looking at records, those are the guys that vote on the AP pool, so fuck all that. The other guy that I wanted to give it to this week was Winston Tabs of Boston College. You know, 19 and a half points, went 6 of 12 from deep, but they played Columbia and Fairfield. And, you know, they won both games, which is great. But Cam Johnson, he, he played against Gonzaga, okay? Legit top five, top three team in the country. Uh, no stock watch tonight, no buying, no selling, but I will humbly brag or not so humbly brag that UNC is exactly what I thought they were, which is one of the best teams in the country. All right, don't forget, like, rate, review, share, retweet the podcast, rate it favorably. Appreciate y'all. Uh, I'm not sure when the next ACC BR will be out. More than likely next Monday or Tuesday. I've got a four-day weekend, so I'll definitely try to get one in. You know, Merry Christmas to everybody. I appreciate you guys. You know, this is we're we're slowly or actually rapidly approaching the one-year anniversary for ACC Basketball Report, and I'm very happy with the growth that we've been experiencing or I've been experiencing, and and you, the fans, have been providing. You know, over the past 12 months. Um, you know, I hope you guys enjoy the holidays with your loved ones. I certainly am. Unfortunately, not all of them are going to be here. My family's a little bit spread out among the East Coast right now. But, uh, you know, enjoy the time with your families. Enjoy the basketball. Enjoy the meals and, and you know, the family time and the, and the drinks and the stories and the games. That's what it's all about. You know, it ain't, it ain't the presents. It, you know, it ain't been about the presents for a long time. It's about time with your families. And, uh, you know, I hope you guys uh, all have a great holiday. And I will talk to you guys next week. Later.